0: As-salamu and welcome to another TMV podcast brought to you by The Muslim Vibe. As always, I'm your host, Salim Qasim, the chief editor of The Muslim Vibe. And this week, I'm talking to Ismail Jelani, who is uh, the founder of a groundbreaking app called Scoodle. We had actually a fascinating chat, just a bit of background history. Um, I actually went to university. No, actually, sorry, I didn't. Um, but I met Ismail shortly after I left university, I think. Um, and we had a lot of like the same friend circles and whatever else, and I remember meeting him quite a few years back, and he was doing some cool stuff back then um and he I guess continues to do really cool stuff and and so we we spoke about I guess his journey um of going to university and not taking out a student loan um and how he managed that and working and and all of that kind of stuff and then I guess getting into the tech scene and um, his journey to date just to tell you a little bit more about Scoodle it's basically an app um, that partners together students with tutors um, and and so if if you want to study a particular subject for example in, in a specific area that you're in you can search for people who uh, are, can tutor you in that I guess I mean I probably that's probably not doing it justice but that's as best as I can do in terms of an introduction. When I get speaking to Ismail, he'll, he'll tell you more about it. He, he's a very inspirational guy. I, I think I, I mentioned it a couple of times in the podcast, but it's just promising to see someone that's kind of, um, I guess, almost taken life by the scruff of the neck. Sorry, he's someone who's almost taken life by the scruff of the neck um, and and really run with things um, and, and has been very successful um, in, in anything that he kind of puts his his uh, mind to. So he, he's an inspiration in that sense and um, thoroughly enjoyed speaking to him. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess um, here's my conversation with him. So, assalamualaikum, alaikum, Ismail. Wa alaikum, Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Pleasure. Uh, we actually go a little bit of a way back um, we, we connected a couple of years ago, um, right. and we met and funny enough, we spoke about some of the things you were doing. Then there was no mic. It wasn't a podcast. <laughs> it was just a conversation. And I thought we might as well just recreate the magic from that, um, yeah, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> and find out what you've been up to since. Um, so I think at the time, if I'm not mistaken, there was a Buzzfeed article, um, yeah. about yourself written by Ayesha Ghani, um, can you, I guess it's, it's better if you tell the story because I, I'd, I'd probably butcher it. So, so th- tell me what that story was and, and why you were of interest.
1: Um, to be honest, I don't even know. Um, it, uh, it went back to uh, when I went to university. I didn't take a student loan because I didn't want to. I wasn't comfortable with doing that. I wanted to figure out something for myself. Um, but I didn't come from a super wealthy background where I could just go to my parents to say, Hey, mom, dad, I don't want to do this do you mind helping me out? Um, so I built my first business alongside my studies to try and figure out a way to pay for my degree um, and that worked out really well uh, and the year article was really just telling that story um, as we began to build out um, what we wanted to become an interest-free student loans platform.
0: I think you're underestimating how <laughs> fascinating everything you just said is. Um, all right, can we, <laughs> I think we need, we need to, we need to jump into this. So So obviously uh, I I get the motivation behind not wanting to take a loan from like a financial perspective. I'm still paying off my student loan. I think I went to university just because you you started as the fees went up.
1: Yeah. So this is 2012.
0: 2012. So I graduated in 2012. Um, So I I, like I was lucky in that sense, but I'm still paying off my student loan. (laughs) You on the other hand were paying higher fees and are not paying off a student loan. So makes financial sense. Um, But you mentioned um, in in the article and other articles as well that there was a kind of uh, principled motivation behind it and like it yeah. was to do with, I guess, I'm guessing your faith um, that, that kind of drove that element as well. What, what, How do you feel about debt
1: generally? I don't like it. <laughs> um, I mean, I think it's, it's okay to make decisions because you're Muslim um, and I think sometimes... Uh, society and culture and everything around you can make that unnecessarily difficult. Uh, But what I found, it's one of the weird ones where a a situation that I didn't want to be in led to the best possible outcome. And it's easy for me to look back now and be like, you know what? I'm pretty damn happy that I I was a Muslim because that helped shape that decision. Um, But I didn't know how everything would turn out at the time. Um, And so kind of the only thing that I can take away looking back and also at the time that I was uh, back in 2012 when I first went to university Mm -hmm. is really just the fact that it's okay to make decisions whilst being Muslim whatever that ends up becoming Um, and I get that based on people's circumstances and backgrounds they may have different things that they prioritize um, whether it's what you wear or what you eat or how you deal with funds and things like that there are differences that exist Um, but just like I said coming back to this core idea if you really value something you really care about something you can and you will make it work um, even if it doesn't make sense at the time entirely but uh,
0: i i what you're saying gets me thinking about um society that we live in today it's very credit driven um which which you could argue in essence is almost uh loggerheads with with islamic values and islamic teachings in terms of not being in debt not you know trying to live a life where you're not owing anybody anything um you managed almost miraculously to to get through sort of university without taking a debt which which is um amazing and fascinating as a feat in itself but how practical do you think it is in terms of like wanting to own a house for example and then looking at mortgages because ultimately in, in a place like london it's it's near on impossible to own property um and and you'd be stuck in that rent cycle so have you thought about the next phase when you're looking to kind of buy a house and how how you might go about doing that
1: i mean it's, it's really weird because what's impossible keeps changing uh, but it seems to be okay for us to expect others to be the miraculous individuals that come up with these amazing ideas like if you think about where the world is now the fact that you can press a button and get a taxi outside your house in five minutes is like whoa how does that even happen? Yeah. Tell that to anybody 20 years ago, it's like, you're crazy. That's, that's just not real. Yeah. Like, wake up. Um, which is the same thing people would say now about, uh, I guess, before university, that's the narrative there. Maybe that's a little bit more doable because some, some people have done that. And so the next crazy is, how do you plan to own a house? I'll be honest with you, I don't have it planned in terms of I will do this and then this and then this and together that would add up to giving me this but um, I'm also okay with having a lot of faith and confidence in myself to be able to figure something out and to make something work Um, and one of the exciting things about not knowing how things are going to pan out is that you start to become super creative. You're no longer boxed around how the world should work because the world should give you a. 25, 30, 40, 50,000 pounds salary or something and it should give you that for 20 or 30 years and so you should have a house someday and so you plan around that Um, and in that world yeah it's crazy to come up with half a million pounds all of a sudden that's in London by the way so I'm sure people outside here don't think of numbers that big but the principle still applies if you step outside of that box which is what's normal you can really start to creatively think of different ways to make things work. And so what, what did you do to make things work then at university? Uh, I looked at what I enjoyed, um, and at the time I really enjoyed economics. I loved it as an A-level. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I could teach. And so before university, actually, I worked part-time uh, at a weekend school, uh, again, teaching kids. And this idea that if you can teach small people things, you can teach big people things. That's the rationale, right? I haven't heard that before. But <laughs> I mean, the logic, the logic it makes it out. It makes yeah. sense, it makes sense. Um, So that's exactly what I did. I put the two together and I initially began teaching one-to-one. That was okay but it didn't quite add up to what I needed to pay for my degree. So then I started expanding that into small classes. So it would be me teaching you know 5, 10, 15 students at a time Mm. Um, and it was a way for me to make a lot more money on my side but also add a lot of value to the students. So I think one, one of the really cool things about when this entrepreneurship thing is done right, is that it's meant to mean everybody wins. So great for me as the business person because I, I actually did make more money. But it's also great for the students because in this scenario, they paid less and learned arguably more because these were intense classes.
0: I think that's, um, that's really positive to hear because people sometimes, often, get into to the, the entrepreneurship game to, to hustle. Um, and to make as much money as possible with as little effort, and I think that's almost like the traditional model of entrepreneurship. It's like what can you do? And they always talk about um, some of the most successful business people being the laziest because they'll find the quickest way from A to B. Um, but I like the fact that you you talk about um, it being a benefit to everyone, where you're not getting as much money from each individual person, but there's still that communal benefit. And and you know you're you're obviously funding your education they're getting an education off the back of that, and it's at the lowest possible cost, which is which is phenomenal. Um, I guess, fast forward a little bit now, um, you were doing that at university, you managed to... Actually, no, I have a question. Um, how did you have a social life? Did you have a social did life I, at university? I
1: hope so. Um, I have friends, I had friends, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think... You will always make time to do the things that you care about. Um, it just happens to be the case that people care about different things at different times.
0: How many hours a week were you um, were, were you uh, tutoring?
1: Uh, 15, 20, 25, around that time maybe.
0: That's quite a lot. And studying full-time. Yeah. You were full-time in... in yeah. yeah. Uh, wow. So, because I, I think the thing is, it, it's obviously doable. You've done it. You're living proof but for, for someone as lazy as myself um, it just seems like a, a lot
1: yeah find a lazier way to make money like it's o- <laughs> it's okay to do that and um, and that that's incidentally exactly what happened the 10 15 20 hours of tutoring mm-hmm. uh, then became you know 20 hours intensively over one week during the breaks or the holidays and then I wouldn't need to do much for the next six months mm-hmm. uh, but it just comes back to you prioritize based on what you care about and you make it work um, for those that, uh, I don't know, value uh, their social life to the extent where they are putting the 30, 40, 50 hours a week there. That's what they care about. And so that's what they spend their time doing. Um, in my case, I did that. Don't get me wrong. I, I did kind of uh, trips abroad with friends. We would hang out and like grab food. like All that stuff was still there. Yeah. Um, I just happened to have done a few other things on top of that. Like, I've never heard anybody in my life say, I'm super free right now. Like everybody's busy for some reason no matter what they're doing. And you look at two people that claim to be as busy as each other, at least verbally, and then you look at what they actually do with their week, it's like a completely different world.
0: But I think it's a mental state of mind more than anything. Um, Because I know, for example, when I at times when I feel like I'm busy, um, and then suddenly God or whatever circumstance turns it up a notch, and now I'm like double the amount of busy as I was the previous week, and I've got more burdens and more responsibilities and I think that I was so free back there right and I I think that's it as well like when I look back at my time at university and and you've the fact that you've brought me to to King's which is where (laughs) I went to university um, just down the road from where we're filming this um, it it makes me think about like like you said like I enjoyed my I wanted to enjoy my time at university and and maybe that was kind of short-sighted and selfish and whatever else but we make decisions and i think we have to live with the, the the consequences of our decisions and i think what's what's admirable in your case is that you were able at that young age as well and i think you know the the thing to bear in mind so when you started university in 2012 i'm guessing you're about 18 19 yeah so at that age we barely know who we are as individuals we're, we're not even half formed in, in in our identity and i know i've changed so much in the last sort of 10 years since i've been at uni um and to be able to, to, at that point, realize something like this and do what you did is, is, is phenomenal. So I guess, I, like well done, and <laughs> congratulations on that. Um, right, so now, now moving the story forward, you are the co-founder of an app called Scoodle. Yeah. Um, what is Scoodle and how does it relate to your story?
1: It's an app that connects students with tutors. Um, so the link is pretty straightforward, right? Um, but one thing that we do have, uh, which I believe is the world's first, is we're the first not to charge booking fees on one-to-one lessons so if i'm a teacher and i charge i don't know 30 pounds an hour i make 30 pounds an hour and if you're the parent you only pay 30 pounds nice so so what what is the that's the top secret question Um, (laughs) no the stage we're at right now we have a vision of the world that we want to see we want to be able to create brands for teachers I, i think teachers add so much value to everybody's lives, and they don't get the recognition that they should, nor do they get the money that they should. Um, And so everything that we're building is centered around growing that. Um, And we've got some pretty amazing investors that align and support the vision that we're after. Mm. So, you know, we, uh, for the foreseeable future, are in the position where we can, you know, pay the bills uh, to be able to create this world. There is a future where we need to explore different ideas around how we expect to make money as a platform but right now the biggest priority is how can we make teachers super happy using Scoodle and how can we make students and parents super happy when they learn once we've answered those questions for you know 1, to 5 million people then we'll start exploring a few other things as well it's very
0: interesting Um, yeah it's it's uh, I think as a as a platform it, like I, I had a look around and, and number one, I've got to say that the design is very clean um which which I think for too long and, and too many people kind of design and develop stuff and like even with the Muslim vibe, we're very caught up on the aesthetics of things, and like it, everything needs to look good, mm-hmm. and the website needs to be functional and and everything else so I, I'm glad that you're you're a fellow kind of um appreciator of of just good quality design um, I hope I hope I hope you'll agree the Muslim vibe is obviously in line with school uh, <laughs> just gonna elevate our level um, to yours um, and with regards to uh, you mentioned investors um, on Facebook recently you published something on your personal account um, talking about one of the co-founders of Twitter um, I've got to ask what, what can you tell me about that because that seemed really exciting um yeah, he he
1: liked what we were doing, so he gave us some money to try and make that happen. Did he contact you on Twitter? Um no again, okay, no, I don't actually use Twitter it's so bad. I should Wow, did you tell him uh, this? I don't know if he knows. <laughs> um, now, I I have an account. Um I just I never actively got into it at the time to be fair, but I would try, I would try. I started using it for some kind of PR stuff and finding journalist requests and things like that. So I'm getting there. Um no uh, we first met um at the University of Oxford actually we were part of the accelerator program there which is amazing especially because you're in education Um, and a lot of these kind of new tech companies and startups when they attend these programs the kind of summary or the ending is this thing that's called a demo day so you as a company will stand up and you would pitch to a bunch of investors Um, at that event he was the keynote speaker because he had an affiliation with the university as well. Uh, what's really interesting, um, So obviously I know I mentioned that he's the Twitter guy. He also built Medium incidentally, which is pretty interesting. Wow. Uh, which is, yeah. it's, it's great, it's crazy, right? But what's what was really exciting for us was the company that people don't know about, which is a platform called Jelly. Um, he sold this company to Pinterest, but Jelly was a Q&A app that uh, gets people to ask questions and get answers. And The way that scoodo is set up is that it's an ecosystem of learning even though we connect students with tutors, students can ask questions on any subject. Teachers answer these questions to grow their brand. The more they answer, the more they get seen. And then you can follow up by booking lessons. So the first time we spoke, it wasn't actually about, hey, you know, Twitter guy, tell me about that. It was actually, hey, like what happened with Jelly? Why do you said it? What did you learn? And we spoke about that um, back and forth for quite a bit. Um, And then the day went on uh, and we had an interview, uh, I think a month or so later at a pretty big accelerator program in the U.S. and based out in California Um, so I reached out again to like hey we're coming over want to say hello Uh, and do that casual and we arranged um, a meeting over in the offices there Um, this is in Twitter's uh, headquarters over in um, San Francisco Uh, which is pretty cool and then on the back of that again it was centered solely around his experience with Uh, Jelly and how he matched an asker and an answerer Mm. and how he decided that this was the right question to send to this person, what that looked like so it was genuine interest around what he did because we could benefit from it so much Um, and then a a few emails later um, he said that he's happy to join as an investor and kind of his philosophy is if somebody is doing something that uh, he feels should exist in the world um, and he's not doing it at the time he would love to support people that are doing that, and nice. that's kind of where we came in.
0: And you you mentioned a, a couple of uh, techie type words in there, talking about accelerators, and, yeah. and obviously the you know um, Silicon Valley. You didn't mention it, but you you know that, yeah. that side of the world. Um, I think what's what's interesting about yourself as well is that you've um, previously worked at Google, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and you're actually also—I don't know if you're aware of this—on a Financial Times list of the top most influential uh, Black and minority ethnic people in tech. Yeah, I think I am.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Sorry, I, I'm just—I'm just here. Just, just—I've got about ten more of these uh, lined up. Um, but I think it'd be interesting to talk about uh, Muslims in tech um, and and what the climate is like. Are there? Because I think what I would potentially say, at least right now, is that the, the app that you've created and, and the model that you've done and, and the work that you've done previously has all been kind of in line with Islamic values, promoting that sort of ethos and, and whatever else. Um, the, the tech space generally, are there many other Muslims there? Are companies being set up that are quote-unquote Sharia compliant in terms of their ethos and things like that? I know it's a, it's a tough question to probably answer, But what are your feelings about that? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people who either have thought about getting into tech, want to get into tech, um, are just starting out in the industry. Is there room to be unapologetically Muslim in that?
1: I I don't even know what Sharia compliant means. Neither do do I, which is why I did the air quotes Um, that no one could see. It's a weird (laughs) one because a lot of things that are coming out of tech are just there to make things easier for people um, it's not necessarily quote unquote a muslim thing but it can just be that muslims are doing certain things like a, you don't have to build a company that you know is going to help you find the direction of prayer mm. for it to be muslim compliant yeah, yeah. you can just build good things and that's completely okay um, so when i look at the people that i'm speaking to both in terms of those that are way ahead of me in the world of tech and, and building things and those that are kind of at, you know within the programs that we're a part of and other companies that i'm speaking to most of these companies are pretty good companies that anybody can work at they're very genuine and ethical and want to add value um to the world so there's an example of a company who wants to sell a uh, fashion that has um, an ethical source for its materials yeah. there's uh, another company that helps people recover after an injury um, there's another company that wants to kind of do I'm not sure if you're out of Babylon it's like you know the video the GP GP thing. yeah yeah I signed um, that recently so I did that to be fair um, <laughs> they want to do Shout that to but <laughs> working for the uh, NHS directly yeah. and these are just this wasn't a prepared list of companies in my head these are the first three or four companies that came to mind And they're they're all great ideas and great companies doing great things that anybody can work at. Um, It's very rare to... Like, now I'm thinking about it, people aren't actually building gambling companies that I've met. Um, They're not building, you know, companies that are based on short-term lending. I I haven't seen them. Mm. Because that's not the direction that the world seems to be going in. Like, people want to build things that would excite everybody. And those that do that the most... Are the most successful. Um, so, kind of coming back to the question of, can you work in companies that are complicit with your values as a Muslim? Almost everything that I've seen happens to me. Um, so, the answer to that is yes. Um, as far as what the, the, the kind of tech scene looks like, um, there is just a general discourse around diversity in the tech space, yeah. um, and I think uh, at scale it is a thing, and people are making efforts towards. Uh, resolving that both within tech startups and the big tech companies like the Googles and Facebooks and Twitters and places like that um, so steps are being taken to take the world in that type of direction um, so kind of whatever is a, a problem um, as a Muslim I would say that that exists for other minorities um, as well having said that I look back on my experience like I pray by my desk and not everybody around me is a Muslim I would we do kind of Friday prayers And um, I remember like I, At Google for example um, The first day of Ramadan Like um, someone got me Like a, a pack of dates As a gift Like it's Efforts are actually being made And I think it's Not really the, the best thing to do To be unnecessarily negative About a world That you never been a part of Yeah To just think that You know what um, These people don't like Muslims So I'm going to go work in a mosque And nothing wrong <laughs> with working in a mosque Don't getting me wrong yeah. But um the change happens by actually taking that step and being the change you want to see type thing. Cliche, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: uh, you remind me of uh, Muslim Makers, um, their group based yeah. in London of, of sort of Muslim mm. techies. Um, I've been to a couple of their events. They're really cool. They really, really like them. But this is the thing, it's like that's something that when, when Murtaza, who's one of the, the co-founders, when he, when he told me about the idea, I was like, sounds good, but, like, secretly, and he, if he's listening, he'll find out my secret thoughts. Um, but I was thinking this is never going to happen, like, no one's going to turn up to this. It's because, like, I was like, how many people really are there that would be that interested in kind of, like, a Muslim take on tech and whatever else? But going to the event, it was such a interesting and diverse crowd. Um, and And you realise that, like, it, it's a community that needs a space and it needs that kind of thing and I think you know like with all things for example I used to work in publishing book publishing the book publishing world is very small so everybody knows everybody and yeah. there's like a community there so a lot of my friends that worked with me at HarperCollins at the time went on to work at Random House, Penguin, um, Macmillan all the other publishers and, and people just kind of move around between companies and I feel like the tech bubble is is similar in that oh, sense. It
1: is crazy how they know the weirdest thing was I remember I'd mentioned to one VC that I'm speaking to so and so a VC is like a venture capital firm that wants to kind of give you a lot of money to make your vision a reality right Um, I'd mentioned that I'm speaking to one and then the person that I'm speaking to are you speaking to this person and this oh we had coffee the other day they all know each other Um, and what ends up happening is the bad apples get shown pretty quickly in this world
0: I, but but I, I think that's where as well. It's important that we we have we facilitate those spaces for like you know for example Muslims in, in in the startup space in in like doing what you're doing can be able to kind of come and speak to you and find out from your experience because you've obviously dealt with venture capitalists you've dealt with investment with with funding rounds and all that kind of stuff and I guess like benefit from each other's shared experiences right
1: Yeah, for sure. That's that's why I'm here, right? Even with Islamic <laughs> makers, I, I remember speaking at one of their. Um, events a few years ago yeah. one of the coolest things is like it's, they held the event at you know, a place like TransferWise it's, were you at the TransferWise? yeah yeah, yeah. I think I was there oh no way unless you know, so I had more than no, I was definitely there for that one you were, too, um, you were being
0: flogged by too many people to come <laughs> over and, and just say oh, you like? flatter me too much <laughs> um,
1: but this idea where it's they're hosting cool events in cool spaces with cool people yeah. um, they're doing really cool things that's super exciting and I think that's how you start to normalise a lot of this stuff I remember for example coming back into university and going into uni Yeah. the best of those that were around me at that time were those that I think maybe went to um, Imperial or something like that And don't get me wrong incredible university mm. but that was like the peak of human beings I had access to the fact that they went to a good uni I was like in awe of that so if that's like the best that I can see I'm not thinking of building companies or running universities. Mm. That's not going to happen. So the, the sooner we start just normalising people doing really cool things and people that look like you and speak like you yes. walk like you yeah, and all of that so yeah, It's Like, yeah, hey, yeah. you know what? If they can do it, sure, so can I.
0: It's funny, I have the exact... From university... Doctors at Imperial were like the pinnacle yeah, of existence exactly because they look like us because they talk like us and they were also doctors at Imperial You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh, No, it's, it's crazy that we have the exact same like standard in our head, but if and this is the thing like Looking back now and, and over the last few years, you know through the Muslim vibe. We've been blessed to kind of um, connect with amazing people around the world doing absolutely crazy things and I just think that had I known about this stuff, had I had this stuff been going on, so I think like even Muslimic Makers only been around for a couple of years, that wasn't around when I was at university. But these kinds of initiatives and these kinds of spaces are so important to, as I said, facilitate that that thinking outside the box and, and aspiring to be more and be something that you didn't think you could be. Yeah. Um, and even like you look at Musmatch for example, Shazad um, runs a really that guy. really cool guy. He's he's spoken at a Muslimic Makers event and. I know him. I've, I I remember meeting him at the Muslim Lifestyle Expo or show in Coventry, um, like four or five years ago. They were starting out and we were starting out, and I remember like they were in like some shady corner of the convention with like the tech corner, which was like this tiny, <laughs> tiny thing, um, and and we were not too far away, and like we spoke, and, and they had just just started, just launched Musmatch, and we just launched the Muslim Vibe, and like no one knew either brand. Um, and then you fast forward to today, and I think they've, they've secured like a million or two million members on their platform, which is incredible. Um, and, and he's just a normal guy, you know what I mean? Like he's, he's, he's got a similar life experience and journey as us. And so it's very promising that you, you can do amazing things and you can kind of bring, I guess, the modern technology, modern experience, and like our sort of Western centric world and lifestyle and, and create something that's of benefit to the Muslim community. And I, I love the fact that people, more and more people are kind of engaging in that. Yeah. Um, I have one, one final question I wanted to ask you. Um, well, this, there's probably a lot you could say, but I, I, I wanted to know what advice you would give somebody, um, with regards to maybe the university journey that you were on, um, and, and funny university experience and your, your university, but then also from like an entrepreneurial perspective, um, I'm curious to know what the and I, I I didn't want to talk too much about the kind of entrepreneurship side of things but I want to know how you got into tech um, what steps you need to take and, and, and what are the key things that you've learned over the last few years um, that have led to kind of your serial entrepreneurship and, and relative success as well in that space
1: so two so parts of, a lot to of the questions. question yeah, um, so let's the, start with university first yeah, and then we'll move on to the entrepreneurship those. thing and um, university The the, probably the biggest thing that I could recommend anybody doing is just saying yes to things and not uh, kind of funneling your approach around. I only need to do things that will give me this one job that for whatever reason I'm dreaming of getting, because in most cases, that's not how it's going to work. Uh, In in my case, whether it's again, uh, going abroad for whatever reason or taking part in societies that aren't ISOC, right? Um, it's just doing these different things makes such a big difference in terms of diversifying how you think and, and how you approach life. I remember for example with Google, um, I think I had maybe four or five hours worth of interviews, ton of questions that they asked me. And of all the questions and of how important you know getting my degree was, you know, didn't take a loan like wow, it's crazy. All of that was like summarized into one question to do with my education. just one and that question is why did you do your degree as in obviously I studied politics and economics didn't really sound that techy so why did you do that and my answer honestly was I don't know I liked it the end and that's it and every other question was hey tell me about this company thing you built before and all of these everything else you know all these extra things that you do outside of your studies that's what actually comes out because nowadays everybody's getting a degree anyway it doesn't matter that much your degree isn't going to make you win nor is it going to make you fail like don't get me wrong it's, it's a pretty good thing to have do well inside you know, with, with whatever you're studying but it's all of the other stuff that comes out of being a student the best thing about going to university isn't the degree that you get it's the student status that you have beyond the discounts it's all of the opportunities that you get right you can like, my, my biggest regret was not studying abroad for a semester um, if not more and again, it's not because oh, it, would have given, it would have given me a better job. I just would have met more people and learned more things. And that's all that matters. And you'll find that over time, it doesn't add up in, a, in a, this planned life that maybe you had in mind. But I'm pretty sure it's going to lead to a better outcome than whatever you could have imagined in the first place.
0: Yeah, that, that was everything that I thought, but put a lot more in it, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I agree, as So I agree. Even from my experience as well, Like I think often people get into university um, wanting a specific thing um, and you, you sometimes get tunnel vision, you become so focused on that one thing that you, f- you don't see everything else. I approached uni, I did a degree that I knew I wasn't going to get into the field of afterwards but I did that degree because I enjoyed it. And that's okay. And and that's okay and I knew that with it would come all the soft skills of teamwork, of working to deadlines, of, of writing, research, all of that kind of stuff and I think... People get very caught up on things at university and, and and forget and this thing, so my big thing, which maybe, you know, might have been uh, as I said short sighted earlier, was like I wanted to enjoy myself. I wanted to have fun. I wanted to spend time with my friends, I wanted to chill out, I wanted to like, you know, just enjoy being a student because I also knew that once I start working, life's not gonna be this free. Um so I, I took advantage of that to the max. Now I probably should have spent some time getting a job um and you know paying off my 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 debt but um it's interesting that i think people need to almost have a bit of um thinking and training before they go to university to prepare them for what they're getting themselves into and to approach it in the right way um so you yeah, know that that was great now you've got to top that with your with
1: your entrepreneur, entrepreneurial advice <laughs> that advice is pretty simple it's um just starting and um, if you have an idea and there's something that you want to do sometimes one of the best ways of procrastinating is obviously over planning um, You you make all of these excuses as to why it can't exist today and why it needs to exist in a year's time whether that's you need to build something or hire somebody or need more people in your team or you know studies you keep making excuses as to why now is not the right time to do it um, So to kind of give a very very tangible example if i wanted to start scoodle again from scratch today or if it didn't exist and i wanted to start it now what i would do is i would try and figure out what is the bare minimum that i can do to exist in a week or less uh and so what does that look like i would make a google form um one for students no probably just one form actually uh, that i would send to people that want to teach and to people that are looking for a tutor and i would tell them to just say okay who are you what are you looking for where do you live uh, once I, And then I'll send this out on WhatsApp and to my friends. Is I'll try and get 10 or 20 responses. Um, hopefully, I'll have at least one student and at least one tutor there. And then I'll try and put the two together within that week. And then I'll see, okay, why isn't it happening? Maybe they didn't uh, like each other. Maybe they were too far apart. Now I start to actually see real business problems that are existing. Because really and truly, that's, that is a manual version of whatever school is doing right now. Um, and that is the way to start because the worst thing to do is to spend six months building something that people don't want because you've spent so much time solving problems that don't exist um, in my case it was a little bit easier in so as I, because i'd worked as a teacher i would have experienced some of these problems uh, but nonetheless the quicker you can exist the better uh, because you learn quicker and you start quicker so coming back to what i did at um, coming back to what i did at university when i first taught a class I literally had a long WhatsApp message that I sent to my sister and my cousin and my economics teacher at college, and I said, "Hey, can you just send this to people?" And I didn't have a payment system. People paid me in cash through my cousin and sister to me on the day. It was the probably the biggest scam that you could imagine. And I remember it was really funny because after day one of a lesson, one of the students that I had called their mum and said, "Mum, mum, it wasn't a scam. It was real." <laughs> And you know what, like, that's okay Because on the back of that I existed six months before anybody would think I could or should exist mm. Because you're just meant to think What can I do To exist in a week Break it down in the most simplest of forms Go and do that And learn from that
0: Nice, that, that was um, As good if not better Than your, your university advice I just, I, We should do this weekly and just give, me, <laughs> give me advice for my life um, well no that's great I, I mean again like the, the the your story is fascinating I think you, you've you done really well to come this far I remember actually the last time we met you were telling me about um, some kind of fintech companies um, like Monzo and, and all of these things and at the time I'd only heard of one of them and now I have like a Monzo account they're pretty mainstream right I've got a Starling account. I've got them all now you were <laughs> two, two years ahead um, in terms of that so um, I guess yeah I wish you all the best in terms of Scudo and and a million or one of the million and one businesses you're going to set up after this as well, um, and thank you very much for your time.
1: And thanks a lot for having me.
0: Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Ismail. I think one thing that's really inspiring and positive is that we are seeing changes in in the landscape of the tech industry, um, as well as various other industries, with leaders like Ismail and uh, I mentioned Muslimic makers when I was talking to him as well. There's a lot of hope and promise um, for the future and I think we're heading in the right directions but it needs for more I guess parents to be understanding with the decisions that their their children make um, and for young people to also be adventurous and try new things and and get stuck in ultimately because um, we need more people to be representing us in, in various different aspects like you know, one of the things, for example, when we looked at the Riz test um, a few podcasts back, we were talking about representation in the media and TV and movies and whatever else. And it's like the big issue that we have in a lot of these establishments is that people that look like us, that have the experiences that we have, have the ethnic backgrounds that we have, don't get involved in script writing, don't get involved in these industries. Then we kind of complain on the other end when there's no representation um and and tech's obviously uh to some extent an example of that where we need more people to to engage with it and and work in the field and whatever else um so yeah, I mean hugely inspiring and i, I think uh is definitely someone to look out for in the future um and I'm sure we'll have a very successful career um and that's it i guess for for this week's podcast, as always, thank you for listening. Um, be sure to subscribe tell your friends um, and also if you're feeling generous leave us a review on the iTunes store or whatever app you're listening to Um, that goes a long way in terms of helping us to grow our audience Um, and yeah be sure to check out the next podcast in in a week or two thank you very much wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh